want to welcome you. My name is Daniel, uh, and it's great to be here. If you're joining us online, welcome. Glad to have you. If you're in the house this morning, obviously we got some love for you. And uh, and it's Christmas time, and I'm and I'm telling you that this has been a uniquely special time in the life of our church. I do want to give you a little bit of an update. Uh, last week we had the chance to announce uh, some of the what God has done through your generosity through our For the Future campaign, and we announced that uh, we had raised 225000 Since last week, we have had several more people uh, jump into that, and we are closing in on $250,000 that we have raised as a church for the future. So that's something huge, huge to celebrate. Secondly, there were so many of you, we announced that we were doing a, uh, a partnership with Rosemary Elementary, which is the elementary school right across the street, and we had 25 families that were under-resourced going into Christmas. And so we said, hey, if you're interested, uh, grab a name, grab a card. At the end of service, we have 25 families. We didn't know if anyone was going to go back there. With, by the end, there were, we had more people wanting to help than we had families to help. And so that just speaks to the level of generosity in this church. And we want to say thank you for all of you who were a part of that. Now today, uh, like Rome mentioned, we are continuing in a series that we started a few weeks ago called All I Want for Christmas. And I imagine that by now most of you have identified a few things that you hope will be true of this Christmas, something you want. Maybe it's a toy or a new technology, or maybe you're looking for a vacation or an experience, or maybe there are some of you with much more noble pursuits in life, and you literally just want to be with family this Christmas, and that's wonderful. And, uh, and I pray that you get all of that. I pray that you get everything you hoped you would get for Christmas this year. But I think what we're trying to do as a church is that over the next four weeks, we, we don't want to miss the opportunity and the power that is represented in this time of year. And our heart is to really focus on the moment and the meaning of Christmas. And so we talked a little bit about that last week. We looked at the life of this young girl named Mary who was going through what we have described as an unplanned pregnancy. And you can imagine all the challenging uh, dynamics that would be associated with a circumstance like that. And yet we saw in the middle of that unique circumstance that she still chose gratitude. It says that she pondered all these things and she held them in her heart. And I wanted to remind us this week, because it's real easy I'm telling you, this week, we talked about gratitude, and there were several moments throughout this week where I lacked a little bit of gratitude, uh, a lot a bit of gratitude, and, and so it's helpful for us to have this reminder, let's keep choosing gratitude, because I know for many of us, Christmas is like this mixed bag, right? For some of us, it's like this wonderful celebratory time of year, but for others of us, we come into this season with a unique level of weight, in our lives because of something that we've gone through or from people that were missing. But this is what scripture says. It says, think about what is good, focus on what is true, meditate on what is worthy. And I think as often as we are inclined to dwell upon what we have lost over the course of these last few years, and that's not wrong to think about those things, but I also want to encourage you to consider to think about what you have gained because I imagine that there are some of you that have lost some things, but you have showed up into this building this, this week, this morning, a little bit stronger than you were a few months ago. A little bit more committed, a little bit more compassionate, a little bit more humble, a little bit more connected to God. And so I know that many of us are stepping into this season, and there are things that have happened in our lives 
that we would have never chosen to happen. But I think most of us can sense that even in the midst of those challenges, God was faithful. And so, uh, so we're stepping into the season with gratitude. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into, uh, jump into the message this morning. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for your hope and your heart and your love. We thank you that this is a time of year where we can reorder our lives around the one thing that really matters. And as much as we have going on, Father, I pray that this morning and throughout the course of these next few weeks, we would have moments of pause where we can just silence the noise going on around us, silence the noise within us, and we can center our hearts on you. Because we know that in you, God, that is where true hope and true peace and true satisfaction come from. So we pray that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder, have you guys ever been invited somewhere that you didn't belong? Ever, anyone ever been invited somewhere they didn't belong? I have a number of different examples that I can give, but this morning we will give the church example. The church example is one time I was invited into a meeting at the White House with Ivanka Trump and Jared Kirshner. Now, this is not a political conversation, okay? Let me just say that. It was an opportunity for us to uh, have a voice for the church in our government. And, um, and I, I am obviously not an important person, okay? They had no idea who I was and, uh, I, because I just have no widespread influence. I'm not wealthy. I'm not well-connected. There was no reason for me to be in that room, and we didn't tell anybody. I said, sweetie, I got, a, I got an invitation. Can I go? She said, I don't know. Uh, this was a few years ago, so we kind of just did it stealth mode. I said, I don't even have a suit. She said, well, whose fault is that? Okay. Um, but I was only there because someone else invited me into that moment, and it was a pretty amazing experience. Um, did you know that, that when we think about faith, and when we think about all the really good things that are true of our lives, it is because someone else in most cases, has invited us into a place that we didn't belong. And I think that that is especially true when we think about our relationship with God. That so often in our lives, God is inviting us into a better space than we can imagine. So today I want to look at a part of the Christmas story that I really love to think about. Jesus had been born. Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus were all alone in this cold barn that was used to house animals. And there was no family celebrating him. There were no friends that were going through like the traditional ceremony of a Jewish baby being born in the first century. And even the strangers that they met as they were looking for a place to deliver this baby didn't really want them there. And any time, this is what I love about the Christmas story, is that it's a chance to revisit the humble beginnings of Christ. He was a king, but there was no ceremony. He was royalty, but there was no robe. Everything about the birth of Jesus was the antithesis of what glory looked like from an earthly perspective. He was a king that nobody, literally nobody cared about. And there are some of you, I think, that maybe just starting out in like this new season of life or a new vision for your ministry, you're trying to implement some new habits in your life, or maybe you're just starting over in a new season. And where you are today may not look impressive to anybody else. It may not even look impressive to you. But this is what I want to encourage you in, is don't despise humble beginnings. 
Because it's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. And when we look at Jesus' life, he started off in the most humble of circumstances. And as you can imagine, as you become more familiar with the Christmas story, it seems like this was all part of God's plan. That he was orchestrating this type of environment for his son to enter into the world because we're going to look at who he invites into the story next. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. It said, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Now, we're going to pick apart a few little details from this passage that may cause some level of deconstruction in your life. So I just want to apologize on the front end. The first of which is that the Bible never actually tells us how many shepherds there were that day. So if over the course of the last few years in your life you've invested in those nativity scenes with three shepherds, I just want to let you know that's not biblical, okay? You don't need to beat yourself up over it. Um, No, there could have been three. There could have been three. No? You guys don't? Nativity scenes? All right. Uh, The second thing that I want us to rethink is our understanding of the nature of a shepherd in this culture. We don't always reflect on these uh, shepherds, but, um, but in a sense, they represented what could be considered social outcasts in the first century. Because shepherds, being a shepherd was like the least desirable, desirable job in, in the family. And so oftentimes what happened is that the youngest child would be the shepherd. But if the, shepherd, if the family had enough resources uh, that their children didn't have to be shepherds. They would pay for a slave to take on that role within the community. And, and oftentimes, shepherds just stunk because they spent so much time with the sheep. Their job was dirty, so they looked dirty. And most of the time, they were children. They were young children, anywhere from 10 to 14 years old, that were primarily serving in this capacity, in this community. And that is still true today. If you go to the Middle East, you'll see a bunch of children serving as shepherds. And so oftentimes when they went out into public places, people would avoid them uh, because of their their role and uh, because of their place in society. And and, and this is interesting to me because we see that the story, the Christmas story shifts from this lowly girl named Mary giving birth to a king to these lowly shepherds being invited into the celebration. Look at what it says in verse 9. It says, suddenly... An angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. Luke describes this really cool moment, and I'm not going to lie. I did some uh, research this summer on UFOs, and the way that this is being described is honestly the way that a lot of people describe when they were in a field, and nobody else was there. Only they saw it, but this this is not quite that, but it says that these shepherds were in an open field, and they were attending to their flocks, and they were probably preparing these sheep for the Passover uh, celebration that was coming. And in the blink of an eye, these heavenly, this heavenly angel appears to them out of nowhere, and Luke says that they were terrified, which is kind of interesting. Because when you think about this image that we have of angels, oftentimes they're like these beautiful, sometimes little baby angels, blonde hair, blue eyes, and and, and when we think about how Scripture describes angels, they describe angels as like these fierce warriors, right? Less Brad Pitt, more Russell Crowe, kind of like in Gladiator kind of image. And when I think about the way that they respond, it says that they were terrified. They were shocked. There was fear that was inside of them. It was like probably this intense-looking angel. 
And the word for angel in the Greek is angelos, and it means messenger. And this was the message that this angel came to them with. In verse 10, it says, but the angels reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people because the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. These shepherds may not have been well respected in their community, but they were well aware of what was happening in this moment because everything that they were experiencing right now represented a legitimate encounter with the living God. And this was the same God that they had grown up hearing about. This was the same God that they had studied uh, the scriptures about. This was the same God that over the course of their life, their grandparents and their great-grandparents would talk about all these amazing things that God had done for their people. But this was also the same God that I imagine they probably felt a little bit distant from. Because not only were they social outcasts, I also in some ways think that they were spiritual outcasts. Can you imagine growing up in an environment where your, aunts, your elders would tell you all these amazing things that happened with the God of their people, for their people, and then you hadn't experienced any of that because this group of shepherds were living in a time where for 400 years God had been silent. God had given no new direct revelation. And I don't know if any of you have felt that in your life where you hear other people talking about their faith experience at church or you see other people raising their hands or crying or maybe they're praying or they're talking about how a certain passage landed with them in their life that week and you're wondering to yourself, why do I not feel those things for myself? Why do I not sense that about me? There are some of us today, I think, that have felt like outsiders in our faith for a long time. And I think that there's probably something inside all of us that wants to experience God in a fresh and relevant and an authentic way. Our staff has been reading through a book on prayer, and the author was describing this really discouraging time in his ministry, and he had this really powerful line that I felt like was resonated with where we're at as a church. He said, I despaired at the thought that my life might slip away without seeing God show himself mightily on our behalf. I despaired at the thought that my life might slip away, slip by without seeing God show himself mightily on our behalf. And I honestly think about that as a church. I think we don't ever want to get to the end of what God is doing in this community and think to ourselves, we have never seen God work mightily on our behalf. And I'm telling you that over the last few weeks, we are, we are seeing God do some really special things in this church. And you might wonder, well, then what is the answer? What is the answer if I have felt like a spiritual outsider at some point in the course of my life? Well, this is what Scripture says. Scripture says, if you abide in me, and I abide in you, you may ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. And the application of that passage is that if you want more of God in your life, if you want to experience more of God's presence in your life, just ask him. Just seek him, because God will give you as much of himself as you want. God will give you as much of himself as you want. And so it's so funny to me as we look at the people in this culture and the position of these shepherds, 
by and large, they did not value these men, but God valued them enough to invite them into the most significant moment in human history. And I just hope that I can say this without offense, but, but I just want you to know that sometimes our culture tells us so many lies about who we are. Our culture tells us so many lies about what our value is, where our identity comes from, where our purpose comes from, what our purpose is. And this is how you can weed out the counterfeit truth. Because we know that if it is, we know that it's counterfeit if our culture tells us that something is valuable that Scripture does not say is valuable, if it's inconsistent with what we see being described as valuable in Scripture. And so your paycheck does not determine your value. How many likes or views you get on social media does not determine your value. How many square feet your home is does not determine your value. Whether you live in a home or an apartment does not determine your value. How many followers you have does not determine your value. None of this is an indication of your true worth in this world. And God showed to the shepherds on that day how much he valued them despite what the culture said about them. And then look what happens in verse 13. It says, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God, God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. This was like in a moment, you're shocked by the angel, Russell Crowe kind of looking person, but he says, don't be afraid, gives you some good news. But then out of nowhere, there's like this emergence of this heavenly choir and they begin like praising God and declaring these truths. They said, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom God has pleased. And this was a declaration, this heavenly vision about the world as it should be. That God is to receive glory in the universe. And God's people are to receive peace. God should receive glory. And his people should receive peace. And it's interesting because it may seem like those two things are not connected to one another, but they are deeply connected. There is a strong correlation to those things because when God receives the glory and the praise and the worship that is deserved, the natural phenomena that happens when God's people praise and bring glory, give glory to God is that his people receive peace. There is this symbiotic relationship. And so the passage is suggesting that Jesus came to this world so that we could have peace, so that he could, God receive glory and his people could have peace. Peace is defined as freedom from disturbance or to have tranquility. I love this definition because notice that the definition does not say the absence of disturbance. It does not say the absence of disturbance. It is freedom from disturbance. And so what that means is that we are not enslaved to the disturbances in our lives. We are not enslaved to all the things that we cannot anticipate about our future. We are not enslaved to all the challenges that we're going to face in life. We do not have to be enslaved to them. You can still have peace. Because what we learn is that peace is the byproduct of a life and a heart and a mind that is focused on Jesus no matter what is happening in the world. In college, I was connected 
This organization is still around. I don't know how popular it is, but it's called the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And sometimes, they, this is an old school like marketing strategy, but they would send you a bunch of stuff in the mail. And one time, they sent me a CD of this old hymn. I'd never heard of it before, but, um, but it, was, it was amazing. It was, it's, I think this is the title, When Sorrows Like Sea Billows Roll. And so I remember being in my car, driving around. I mean, it literally came to me at the right season of life in college, going through some struggles. And I remember just singing this old hymn in my car, and, uh, and I didn't know where it had come from. And so I had done some research, and I found out that it was written by a businessman in the 1800s by the name of Horatio Spafford, and he lived in Chicago during the time of the great Chicago fires. And during that time, most of his businesses had been burned down by the fire. So it was a very challenging time. Not long after that, his son caught pneumonia, who's only four years old, eventually died. And so he had a pastor that was in his life, and he encouraged them. He said, hey, it seems like you need to take a little bit of vacation. You're going through some really challenging times. And so uh, he and his wife and his four other children decided that they were going to take a trip to England. But he could not go uh, on the first leg of the trip, and so he sent his wife and his four daughters. Well, when they were traveling across the Atlantic, they hit another ship, and that ship sunk, and his four daughters drowned. And he received a telegraph from his wife saying, I'm, I'm the lone survivor. What do I do? And so immediately, Horatio Spafford got the next ship to England, was traveling across the Atlantic, and the captain of the ship uh, let him know when they were beginning to pass the place where his daughters had drowned in the ocean. And that is when he penned these words. He said it was... He says, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say that it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. Jesus came into this world to give us peace. And I don't know about you, but I'm telling you, living in the Bay Area is like a peace thief sometimes, right? It is so easy to be running around, doing stuff, impressing people, making sure our kids are at the top of their class or whatever it is. And there's so many expectations in this area, so hard for so many people to survive and to be in this place. And I'm telling you, it is a thief to our peace. But what this scripture tells us is that despite what is going on in our world, it is possible to have peace like a river. It is possible to ground our hearts and our minds on the rock and the promise that comes from God instead of attaching it to the swaying and the changing circumstances in our life. And I think this year we already determined together, we said, hey, this is gonna be a year of gratitude for us. But I wonder if this was also an opportunity for us to say this is going to be a year of peace. And this is what that means. That doesn't mean going through our schedule book and crossing everything off the list because we can't do that. But it does mean that we can choose today 
that we are going to give our minds and our hearts to God even in the midst of challenging times and unknown circumstances. Because sometimes that is all that it takes. And I want to encourage you, I don't know what your rhythms of prayer are like, but this week I was reminded of how powerful prayer is in the moments of chaos. When things are busy and life is crazy, someone once said, when he was describing his schedule, he said, I'm too busy not to pray. And because this is what happens in in quietness of prayer, is that when you begin to direct your heart and your mind to God, it serves as sort of an anchor to your soul. When the current of life is pushing you one way or another, when we pray, we are anchoring our lives to God. And it takes you to this place of peace. And so I want to encourage you this week as we go about our day, as we think about all the things that we have to do on our to-do list, in the midst of those moments when your heart starts beating and your hands start sweating and you start telling yourself there's not enough hours in the day, just set your mind on God. To set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. And the Bible promises that in that moment, When we tell God what we need and we thank him for what he's done, he's going to give us the peace that surpasses all understanding. There's some of you here this morning that are thinking, I have no idea what it's even like to be invited into a space of peace. Well, I'm telling you, if you stepped into this room this morning, if you're watching online, you have just received the invitation. You are not here by accident, but it's because God wants you to experience something that perhaps you have never experienced before. God is inviting you into a place that maybe you've never been invited to. And what scripture says is all we have to do is trust. Trust that God loved us enough that he would send his son into this world to carry the weight of our sin and our mistakes and sometimes our selfishness and our bad decisions because what he knew is that at the end of our life, if we accumulated all those things and we tried to carry them ourselves, it would crush us. So he sent his son, the only one that could carry it for us. So that you could release all the weight that you showed up to this room carrying this morning. All the regrets, all the shame, all the guilt that you have stepped in. Scripture promises us that when we have trusted in Jesus, we become a new creation. The gospel is not about making bad people good. It is not about social justice. It is not about equality for everyone. Those are all products of the gospel. But the gospel is that it can bring dead people back to life. That it could create, it could redo and rebirth and redeem a broken heart and make it new. And that is what God is inviting you into this morning. And if you have never received that grace, if you have never received the gift of salvation, I want to encourage you to receive it this morning. And all it requires is an open heart. So many times when we present this message to people, there's a resistance. And oftentimes people don't know what that is, but there's something that their heart is telling them to say yes to, but their mind is telling them to say no to. But this morning, if you are experiencing that right now, I want you to just... Let go of whatever is causing resistance in your heart to receive the type of love that God wants to give you. And so this morning, I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads and to close their their eyes. 
And if today you want to step into faith, if today you've experienced a desire, a longing for something more, I'm telling you, there's God knocking at the door of your heart. All you have to do is let him in. And scripture says all we have to do is pray, receive it. And so this morning, if you want to step into faith for the first time, I'm going to ask you to pray this simple prayer after me in your hearts. And there's nothing special about the words. It's whether or not these words reflect the desires of your heart. Go ahead and repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for reminding me of how much you love me. Thank you for sending your son to this world to carry the weight of my shame and my guilt. Today I want to receive the gift of salvation. I want to step out of the life of doing things my way. I want to trust and do things your way. I want to believe that you love me enough to sacrifice something so great because you value my life. God, would you give me the strength to follow you in the days to come? In Jesus' name, I believe. Go ahead and keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed this morning. And I want to ask you to do one, one more thing. This morning, if, if you prayed that prayer in your heart, would you just quickly raise your hand so that we can know what God is doing in this place? If you're tuning in online, go ahead and let people know in the chat by writing amen in the comment section. I see you. I see you. Any others? Any others? Pray this prayer. Go ahead and raise your hand. Father, we thank you that every week, you come to do business in this place. And every week, God, you change someone's heart and you change someone's life. And God, I thank you that we're a church that doesn't just tell stories about the past, but God, we get to tell stories about the present. Because you are here and you are moving and you are changing people. And we are so grateful for that. Father, I pray a special prayer of blessing and peace over this community. As we go about our weeks, God, would you allow for peace to overwhelm and to flood our hearts this morning. God, I pray that if there's anyone that stepped into faith for the first time, that, Lord, you would continue to do a work in, in their life, that this would just be the beginning of a lifetime of transformation. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, would you do me a favor this morning, and would you show some love to the one person that indicated that they made a decision to follow Jesus this morning?